how you can stand strong in temptation. There are very clear strategies that you need to put in place. Clear commitment that has to be settled in your mind and in your heart in advance. Clear communication. Clear boundaries. And you may be saying at this point, yeah, well, that's very obvious to me. There's nothing you've said there that I couldn't have seen for myself. My problem is not knowing what the strategies are. My problem is finding the power to do them. Well, welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I think there may be a lot of people listening who can relate to that. They say, I know I'm weak. I know where I'm prone to give in to temptation. I I even know some of the strategies that I ought to put in place. But when temptation comes, I just can't say no. Yeah, and we're going to get some really good, clear, strong answers from the Bible to that today. I think it's so important to encourage the person who is being tempted with this great truth that you are able by God's grace to stand up under this. That's the great promise that is given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. One of the things we're going to see today from the example of Joseph as we follow his story is that the Lord carried such weight in his life that the very fear of the Lord acted as a restraint against sin and in the face of temptation. That's a wonderful thing to cultivate. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not just an Old Testament thing. God carrying weight in a person's life is the greatest defense against grieving the Holy Spirit by entering into the sins to which we're tempted. We see that, as you say, in the story of Joseph. And we're looking at that in Genesis chapter 39, So if you can, open your Bible and join us there as we continue the message, Tempted and Faithful. Here's Pastor Colin. How can you stand strong against temptation? We looked at where we're vulnerable. How can you stand strong against temptation? Now, there are two parts to the answer here, motives and strategies. Both of them are important. The strategies deal with things that we need to do. The motives deal with the strength, the power, the energy, the desire that we need to have in our soul in order to put the strategies into practice. You need both, and they operate together. The strategies are very simple, they're very obvious, and they're right here in this story. There are three of them. The first is, you need to have a clear commitment. A clear commitment. And I'm looking now at verse 9 where Joseph says, when he is tempted, how then can I do this? How can I do this? Joseph, of course, must have been aware over this long period of time that Potiphar's wife had her eyes on him. He saw what was brewing. And when it comes out into the open, he has already settled the issue in his mind and he is ready with the answer. I can't do this. Now, here's the principle that's really important here. An open mind in the face of temptation makes failure inevitable. An open mind in the face of temptation makes failure inevitable. So clear commitment, and it's settled in Joseph's mind. He's not drifting with what's happening at any given time. The line is drawn. He has a settled conviction. I cannot do this. 
Second, clear communication. Notice how it says, verse 7, that Potiphar's wife had cast her eyes on Joseph. She then makes this proposition. And then in verse 8, he says, but he refused. He did not say to her, well, let's just go to Starbucks and we'll both have a little chat about how we feel. <laughs> but he refused. I could hardly be clearer. No ambiguity. No mixed messages. He refused. Clear communication. You need clear commitment. You need clear communication. You need clear boundaries. But verse 10. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her. Then notice this. Or to be with her. In other words, Joseph set very clear boundaries. He did not say, well, you know, Mrs. Potiphar, I I can't do what you say, but at least we can be good friends. No, once this thing had come out into the open, uh, Joseph realized that he had to give Potiphar's wife a wide berth, so to speak. He did not get into this foolish business of let's see how near to the fire we can get without getting burned. He knew the people who play with fire do get burned, and so he distanced himself from her. That's what he did. He avoided her. But one day, when the servants were gone, Potiphar's wife took advantage of the situation. The Bible tells us that she grabbed Joseph by his robe, and Joseph then did the only thing that then he could do. He ran and he got out of the house, the Bible says. Better to lose his robe. Better to lose his job. Better to lose anything than to sin against God and against Potiphar and against this woman who was tempting him. How you can stand strong in temptation. There are very clear strategies that you need to put in place. Clear commitment. Clear communication. Clear boundaries. Uh, These are the strategies. They're very obvious. And you may be saying at this point, yeah, well, that's very obvious to me. There's nothing you've said there that I couldn't have seen for myself. My problem is not knowing what the strategies are. My problem is finding the power to do them. My problem is having the strength to implement these things when I find myself under temptation. And that is why, along with the strategies, we must have the motives in place. The motives. And what are they? Again, there are three. The first is the trust that you have as a servant. Verse 8, Joseph refused, and what's the rationale? Here it is. Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. Now, you notice Joseph's reasoning here, the first great motive that he puts in place. I am a trusted servant. I am not a free agent drifting around from one thing to another in this world according to the impulses of my own heart. That is not who I am. I have a master. And my master has been good to me. And I will be loyal to him. Second, He draws motive not only from who he is, but from what sin is, and especially from its wickedness. Do you see verse 9? 
how can I do this great wickedness? This great wickedness. Now, here's what's important here. Joseph calls sin by its proper name. This great wickedness. Now, that's important, especially today for this reason. That the world is always in the business of coining fresh language in order to make sin more acceptable. Joseph will not use any such language because as soon as you go there, it has the impression in your mind and in your heart that this is really no big deal. In fact, wherever you find yourself tempted and in your mind, that line is, you know, it isn't such a big deal, is it? Then realize that temptation is gaining its power over you. And the way in which you push back, the great motive that you have here is not only who you are as a trusted servant of the Lord, but the nature of what sin is in all of its foulness, this great wickedness, he says. If Satan can persuade you that the sin to which you are tempted is not a big deal, it will not be long before you collapse and fall into temptation. That's what will happen. So you need this defense, you need this motive, and it needs to be absolutely clear in your mind. What is the sin to which you are tempted? Call it by its proper name. Are you tempted to pride? Envy? Remember that these are described in the Bible as an abomination to the Lord. I begin to think too highly of myself, and that's not a big deal, is it? Oh, it's an abomination abomination to the Lord. It's a great wickedness. The sinfulness of sin and our sensitivity to it is being eroded every day, all the time, year by year. And we need to have it in place in order that we may have motive to stand strong against temptation, this great wickedness. And number three, And the most powerful motive of all is, of course, the fear of the Lord. How can I do this, verse 9, this great wickedness and sin against God? See, the ultimate defense is that God carries weight in the life of Joseph. Again, we live in a culture where there's all this God talk. People talk about God, make jokes that have God in it. Not Joseph. We spoke about the fear of the Lord last year. We defined it this way, that what it means is that for those who really love the Lord, his frown would be your greatest dread and his smile would be your greatest delight. That means that God has weight in your life. If he would smile upon me, that's my greatest joy. But if I should act in a way that would cause him to frown upon me, that would be my greatest dread, greatest dread. And that carries such weight within me. I love the Lord, and so I live in the fear of the Lord. That's his defense. You love the Lord. And so grieving the Father who loves you, sinning against the Christ who died for you, resisting the Holy Spirit who lives within you, will seem to you then like a fearful thing to do. How could I do this? Because of who I am. Because of what sin is, this great wickedness, and because of who God is in all of his glory and his wonder and his love. How could I do this and sin against God? 
We're going to pause there with the message Tempted and Faithful from Genesis chapter 39 and today we're looking at verses 6 to 12. If you miss any of our broadcasts or if you want to go back and listen again, you can always do that online. Just go to openthebible.org.uk. Now back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. And here's the last thing. What will come of your faithfulness? Two things here. One of them you can guess, and the other you cannot imagine. First, the one that you can guess. It's easy to guess that if you pursue this path of faithfulness, you will not find it easy. And Joseph must have known this. He must have known that the choice that he made would indeed be costly. It was not beyond him to imagine what Potiphar's wife would do with this robe that she had clutched. And sure enough, as we're going to see next time, the immediate outcome of Joseph's principled stand is that he ends up in prison. Big reward. Now, let's apply that to those who are single. If you choose the path of purity before marriage, you will not find it easy. Some people will wonder what is wrong with you. You may find yourself, especially in school and college, to be somewhat ridiculed. You may find that you lose the affection of someone who wanted what you were not willing to give. It may prove very costly. Not hard to guess that this principled stand to honor God in this area will not be easy, will have its price. You will experience some measure of cost in relation to your choice. To those who are married, let me make this application. If for the sake of Christ, you choose the path of faithfulness in a marriage to a spouse who is ungrateful, insensitive, or unresponsive, and you, for the sake of Christ, choose the path of faithfulness in that marriage, it will not be easy. There will be times when you muse to yourself, if I had made a different choice, my life could have been very different indeed. That part you can guess. And then there's another part that you cannot imagine. And it is the good that God will bring from your faithfulness. And here I want you to follow the big picture of the story. It was through the faithfulness of Joseph that he ended up in prison. It was through being in prison that Joseph met Pharaoh's cupbearer. It was through the cupbearer that Joseph was introduced to Pharaoh. It was through Pharaoh that Joseph became the prime minister who provided food for all his people. It was through the food that Joseph supplied that the life of Judah, his older brother, together with the rest of the family, was saved in a time of famine. And it was through the line of Judah that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born into the world. And it is through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that a great company of people will be gathered in the presence of the Father forever and forever with great joy in heaven and all its glory. Joseph could not possibly have imagined 
the line of consequences, the length of the chain that gave enormous significance to his stand for purity at a moment of intense temptation that God wove into the pattern, the tapestry of a far wider purpose than Joseph could ever have conceived in his entire life. So here you are. And you're trying to find some strength. You're trying to find some motivation. You're tired of the battle. You need some energy to stand strong against temptation this week. And in the days that lie ahead, it's very intense. What will be the effect of your standing strong and being faithful on your son, your daughter, your friend, your colleague, your future Husband, wife, how will God weave the strand of your faithfulness even this week into the tapestry of his gracious work in the lives of others? And I think that one of the joys of heaven will be to see the fruit that has come from long and hard battles with temptation that you have fought in your life. Can you imagine Jesus Christ saying to you, do you remember when you fought that particularly intense battle with temptation when you were in that hotel? And you said, I am the Lord's servant. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And by the grace of God, that night you prevailed. Well, you know, what you didn't know was that if you had given in, a whole different series of events would have transpired. But you stood strong, and now I want you to see all the things that came of it. You say, well, I find that very difficult to imagine. How difficult would it have been for Joseph to imagine what came of his stand? And then the very last thing I want to say is simply this. That Jesus came to bring forgiveness for our past sins and power to face our future temptations. Jesus came to bring forgiveness for our past sins and power to face our future temptations. And we need both. We focused on the second, but let's remember in this last moment the first. I hope that many of us across the orchard, and especially in this service, will be making a new commitment to purity, mind and heart and body, that we will go after that with a strong commitment for the sake of Christ because we are his trusted servants. I hope that there'll be many who are making fresh, new, deep, real commitment to Jesus Christ in that regard today. But there will be some who may feel swamped by a sense of your own past failure. And we need as much the grace of Jesus with regards to our past sins, bringing forgiveness and cleansing and peace and separation from that, as we need the strength of Jesus with regards to standing strong in our future battle. And I come back to where we began. That is why this profound statement, it's so significant that Genesis 38 comes before 39. Because some of us right now are going to be saying, you know, I see myself more in Judah's moral failure than I do in Joseph's principled stand. I see myself more in the guy who gave way to the desires of his heart and brought unimaginable pain and sorrow to his family and to all around him. I'm more like Judah than I am like Joseph. And friends, 
Here is why the story of Joseph is in the Bible. Chapter 9, 39 is in the Bible because of the sins of chapter 38. And Joseph is there in the Bible primarily to point us to Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. He points to Jesus for all who see ourselves more identified with Judah than we do with with Joseph. Joseph stood where Judah had failed and Jesus stood where we have failed. And that is why the story of Joseph is clearly pointing us to Jesus who was tempted in every respect as we are yet without sin. I just love the comment that A.W. Pink makes on this. He says, the difference between Joseph and Jesus is that Joseph ran away from the temptation, which was the right thing for him to do. But Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, it was Satan who ran away from him. Don't you love that? That's the triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he do then? He goes to the cross. And why is he there? He's bearing the shame and the guilt of what? Our sins, including our sexual sins of mind and of body. He bears them in his body on the tree. He carries them into his death and he buries them there. Then he rises from the dead in the power of an endless life and he holds out his loving arms towards us, offering forgiveness, cleansing, because he has taken that. And then the power of his Holy Spirit to pursue a new life that will honor and glorify him. He is able to forgive you. He is able to help you. Jesus came to bring forgiveness for your past sins. And Jesus came to bring power to face your future temptations. And that is why there is hope for every person in Jesus Christ. What an encouraging way to end today's broadcast. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith with a message trusted and faithful, the story of Joseph. You can listen to any of our previous broadcasts that you might have missed or you want to hear again by going to the website openthebible.org.uk. Today, I want to introduce you to a long-time listener of Open the Bible, Sue McLeish. Tell us, Sue, how you came across Open the Bible. Well, I was widowed a decade ago, found myself feeling very lost and empty. And one of my sons encouraged me to listen to some sermons online. (laughs) And I came across Pastor Colin Smith. And I found myself listening more and more as God used Colin's Bible teaching to awaken something within me in that difficult time. And I've followed and enjoyed and learnt from Colin's resources ever since. So, if you've yet to try Colin Smith's short daily devotionals, go to www.openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is supported by its listeners. If you're able to support us with a regular gift of £5 or more, we'd like to thank you by sending you a copy of a book. It was written many years ago, but it will be new to many of you. It's called simply... Holiness. It's my J.C. Ryle. You can find details of this offer along with how you can support Open the Bible by giving. Just go to our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production.
The deepest venom of the human heart is often directed toward churches or employers or friends we once said we loved. Find out why next time on Open the Bible.